Today on the Mission Readiness Review, a commercial imaging company exposes military might. The U.S. administration decides to lay down the law. And China launches some satellites unexpectedly. Discussions and more up next on the Mission Readiness Review. Stefan Kartenberg created the Mission Readiness Review's music, Pod Dreams. Thank you, Stefan. Hello, and welcome to the April 1st, 2018 Mission Readiness Review, Episode 4. Does this image make my boat look big? From Ground Zero in Colorado Springs, I'm John Holst, and this is my co-host, Ingrid. Hi, John. Hello, hello, everybody. Um, let's just start off with the upcoming launches this week. There are two scheduled. Actually, they were both postponed from last week. The first one is a Falcon 9 out of Florida. Um, this one is now being set for Monday, April 2nd, and that is a Dragon resupply capsule for the International Space Station, and that is going into low Earth orbit. The next one that was postponed um, is now set for April 5th. It's the Ariane 5 ECA out of French Guiana, and it is putting up into orbit two satellites. One is a Superbird 8 Japanese military communication satellite, and the other is a Hylus 4 UK commercial communication satellite, both into geosynchronous orbit. There was a um, secretive launch mentioned last week. There's still no news for sure, but it's um, an astro rocket out of Alaska. It could be going up as early as um, April 1st, maybe as late as April 6th, and that is suborbital. And we don't know for sure if they call it an Astra, but that seems to be the company. And we have our links from last week's show and the show notes if you need to look at that. Last week's launches, all successful. The geosynchronous satellite launch vehicle, GSLV, from India, launched on March 29th. It launched the GSAT-6A Indian communications satellite into geosynchronous orbit. There's actually some extra news about that. We'll get into that in the risk matrix. The Long March 3B from China launched on March 29th as well. It launched uh, the Baidu GPS-type satellites into medium Earth orbit. From Russia, a Soyuz 2-1V launched an EMKA experimental Russian military reconnaissance small satellite into low Earth orbit. That was also launched on March 29th. And then the following day on March 30th, SpaceX launched their Falcon 9 from California. Ten satellites, Iridium-next communication satellites, were inserted into low-slash-medium Earth orbit. There was also an unscheduled launch last week. The Long March, or Changzheng 4C, from China, also launched on March 30th. The payload was three Gaofen Earth observation satellites into low-Earth orbit. All these launches bring us to Risk Matrix, an analysis of some of last week's news. So an update on the GSAT-6A communication satellite launched from India, uh, the Indians launched it on March 29th, and as of yesterday, Saturday, March 31st, they lost contact with the satellite, and they're still trying to establish contact. So they lost communication with a communication satellite. Yes, they did. So they didn't really explain what that meant. We can kind of guess. So I would ask if it's still able to do its job, but if you can't communicate with a communication satellite, I'm going to guess maybe no. Well, they need 
telemetry. So that's the information from the satellite that tells the operators on the ground how the satellite is doing. It sounds like they've lost telemetry and they're trying to get it back. They also need it for commanding, so they might be able to steer satellite a little bit or do some station keeping with commands, but it sounds like that's not going on either right now. So how do you try to reestablish communication with a satellite, or has it ever happened before? Well, if you look at the articles, the Indians say it happens, but it doesn't happen for very long. It happens for like a couple seconds, then the, the communications comes back. In this instance, they have had a few days where they have not been able to talk with the satellite. But satellites do, if they're built well, have different modes in them, and one of them is called a safe mode or a safe hold mode. So that might allow them to eventually establish contact back with the satellite. The safe hold mode will allow operators to get lucky by, it spins the satellite in some ways, sort of in a, in a guided way to make the satellite one of the antennas that for commanding and communications aim back at the ground station every now and then. If they can catch that, that time where that antenna, and normally it's an omnidirectional antenna, which means they don't care where that antenna is aimed anymore. They just need to have some sort of contact with that antenna so they can start getting commands up to it. So it would just be reaching out blindly, hoping somebody can feel it. From the Indian ground station, yeah. Hmm. So there we are. Uh, we'll give an update next week if they've managed to establish contact with that satellite. Then from Reuters, um, a commercial imagery provider and satellite operator Planet posted images for Reuters of a Chinese aircraft carrier group in the South China Sea. Uh, Forty ships were all lined up. They kind of looked like trains on a rail. And it's very obvious when looking at the picture that there is an aircraft carrier in the midst of all that. It's very large compared to all the other ships. So this is Chinese boats. Why are we? Why is this interesting? It's interesting because it's a commercial imagery provider that seems to have given it to a news source or a news agency, Reuters, and Reuters is reporting on it. The fact that it was a commercial imagery provider that did this is interesting all of in and of itself. Very interesting to me, but we as do opposed it, to military. Right. I mean, there are companies like Digital Globe that have big uh, satellites out there that can take pictures of the Earth, imagery, you know, that sort of thing. But these satellites that Planet has, well, they're very small. They're like a Wonder Bread loaf-sized satellite. And uh, there are many, many of those satellites versus what Digital Globe has. So Digital Globe, which is actually north of Denver, Colorado does have big satellites and they do have contracts with the Department of Defense for imagery. So they give the Department of Defense or sell the Department of Defense all sorts of imagery that the Department of Defense can use to help determine what's going on around the world. My question is whether you have a lot of satellites or a little, the planet's kind of big and how would you, did they accidentally find this convoy of ships or were they directed there? Well, that that's a good question. We don't know the answer to this. I suspect they might have been told to look there. 
But it may also just be that planet has so many satellites up there, they can afford to image any part of the Earth at any given time, and they just so happen to get lucky and got the fleet in their um, bore sites of their satellites. Wouldn't you still need some intern going through all of those images to find something? Planet has said they use algorithms to help determine change uh-huh. in the surface of the Earth, and so a change would be a ship suddenly being there where it was not before. So it's an interesting problem to have, I guess, for Planet, but I kind of wonder why they went to Reuters with it, and maybe it has to do with contracts. I mean, Planet does have contracts with... Department of Defense agencies like the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, they upped it actually in 2017 again. So maybe they're trying to get more contracts with other defense defense departments. We don't know. It also sends the message to the world that, hey, we can see you. Right. So there are so many satellites up there that Planet owns, about 200 or so, probably over that actually. One must ask the question if it's even useful to try to hide something um, that you're doing on the face of the planet because it used to be that you would know if you were a KG uh, nation, you would know where suspected spy satellites would be overhead and you could change your activities to hide them when that satellite was coming overhead and then get back to business once that satellite was gone. And frankly, there are similar tactics to regular old-fashioned warfare where you just have the camouflage netting over the the tanks, and this just seems like the next step up. Right. So there may be other technologies that help hide things from optical, but then again, there are other types of sensors that are also available to other operators. Infrared, etc. Right. Spire Global, for example, has an infrared payload. They don't talk about it much, but next to their optical sensor, they do have a infrared sensor, and they might be able to detect certain changes on the Earth's surface with that. So is there any way to hide anything? There probably is, but I am not that familiar with all those tactics. So this is just an example of people are going to have to be a little smarter with how they do things if they want to hide uh, their activities from overhead sensors. There's always going to be someone to figure out, and then there's always going to be somebody who figures out the figuring out. Right. But this brings us actually to the other story, which is the SpaceX story. SpaceX launched 10 Iridium satellites last week. When they did that, well, SpaceX is known pretty well for transmitting images of their rocket launches from the rocket itself. It's a nice break from the workday to just go to their website and check out the launch. Right. So they, you can see like stage one separating from stage two and the camera is mounted on stage two, looking back to see the, the uh, stage one body rocket body floating off from it. And then you see the, exhaust from the stage two engine fire up and you see the nozzle turn red and that's common to see that that spacex has done that a lot with many of their launches but with this latest launch they did not do that they cut off right before the ignition started i guess for stage two why that's like the coolest part well they said in their podcast that it was a 
provisional license requirement from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. The, so NOAA, that's short for the, that whole um, mouthful, apparently has some restrictions and laws uh, regarding cameras on rocket bodies, uh, specifically stage two rocket bodies. And so this time around, SpaceX felt like they needed to comply with that. Uh, why they haven't complied before, I don't know. That is a little suspicious. All this time they've been able to have these cameras and now they can't? Right. And NOAA really hasn't come out and said exactly why this change has been. They seem to double down on the belief of the law that they're using for this. And I've looked at it. It's the National and Commercial Space Program Act that they're taking this law from. Basically, they consider a remote sensing system something that has the capacity to take an image of the Earth while on orbit. Any launches that have cameras like they do on a Stage 2 of a Falcon 9 has to comply with that. And the rationale is it's for national security. That's pretty much it. And they don't really go into details for that. Certainly we could speculate all day long, like maybe something is coming that no one knows about that hasn't happened in the past. Yeah, I don't understand why they've decided to go this way. It seems like someone got a little overzealous. And to be sure, in some of their literature, they make it very clear that the intent of a remote sensing system doesn't matter. It's just that if the system is capable to take images of the Earth while it's in orbit, then, yeah, it's got to comply with these licensing requirements. What are the licensing requirements? Is this like a big, huge deal, or do they just do a little paperwork and it's good forever? I don't know what the frequency is. I'm, it sounds like SpaceX would just like to have this paperwork done and maybe be done with it so they never have to worry about their cameras you know, showing the Earth again. Because really, it, all it's doing is giving their engineers verification of what they already see in telemetry. There's a visual aspect that they can see what's happening with the second stage. So it helps with that. Do we need to see that? Not necessarily, either, but it's good advertising for SpaceX because mm. it's pretty cool for us. So I don't know. It could be a case of cover your butt, you know, CYA. It might be a very overzealous interpretation of this. But since SpaceX has been doing it all this time, I'm wondering if maybe the Falcon Heavy launch in one of the articles I refers to, I refer to talks about it could be pushback against the Falcon Heavy launch where Starman went up with all those cameras on it, um, you know, on the Tesla Roadster, and you could see the Earth in the background. It was all very cool. And maybe some competitor got annoyed by all this hullabaloo about the Falcon Heavy and decided that, by golly, we're going to make it so that they can't have nice things on the next one and complain to a congressperson of some kind or a politician saying, that don't we have laws regarding this? Who knows? And then someone knocked on Noah's door and said, don't we have laws regarding this? And Noah said, yeah, we might, so let's look. And that could be it, but we don't know. It could just be regulatory overreach, though, too. Someone just uh, is bucking for a promotion, and they decided they would interpret this in the strictest sense that they could. Or some other fourth option. We don't know. Right. 
Um, one of the answers to deal with this, though, it might be just to get the politicians involved. You know, just say, you, you ninnies, you know, they write a law for noticing there is an exception to the rule. Cameras on a stage two could be considered just, you know, another aspect of telemetry, and they are not uh, a threat to national security. So we'll see with that. <laughs> or not. Or not, yeah. Um, it's an interesting argument all around. It was a weird sort of quirk in the launch last week for something that went so well. But speaking of SpaceX launches, there is an app for that as well. Did you know this? Yes. You made me watch it earlier today. I don't know. You you said It there. was interesting. I didn't, you know. It wasn't a clockwork orange kind of strapped into your chair sort of thing. But yeah, um, there is an app released by USA Today and Florida Today. It's an augmented reality app of Falcon 9 launches currently. They call it 321 Launch. It's free. And as I said before, it's based around SpaceX's Falcon 9. So you can only see details about the Falcon 9. You can see it launch. And there's only one option. You can launch it from a Florida launch pad, and that's it. So you can put together the rocket, and as you put the rocket together on the launch pad, or not in the launch pad, in the assembly building, it will tell you what those little pieces are that you're putting together. And then as you bring it to the launch pad, it'll tell you details of, let's say, what a flame trench is, or the sound suppression system is, or the lightning towers. And then you can actually watch it launch. So it's kind of cool in the way that you aim your camera on your smartphone at a flat surface and it'll map that flat surface for you. And then it superimposes a 3D image of the assembly building and eventually the launch pad with the Falcon 9 on it. And then the Falcon 9 launch as it um, rises and goes into orbit. It was a pretty tiny image. Was there a way to zoom in and we just didn't? It seemed a little <sighs> underwhelming. I didn't know. I, I didn't see anything. It wasn't that obvious to me. I mean, I was trying to pinch to zoom in and out. And that wasn't working for me. Another thing that I found annoying about it was you just couldn't hop through the narration. You were forced for some of the narrations to of what a component was to sit through it and then get to the next one. So if you just wanted to see the launch outright, you could not hop there immediately. It was You had to click on a piece. It would tell you a bit about it. You had to click on something else. It would tell you a little bit more about it, and you'd have to sit through it. So, but... So it turns out, I mean, it's supposed to be educational, I guess. And it is free. Right. But it may be worthwhile for their app developers to think about changing things a little bit. They also note that they're going to try to get like Atlas V launches or launch systems in here. So it won't be just SpaceX mm. devoted. I think it's a good first attempt for something like this for them. And if they keep doing it, especially if they start involving other I mean, this is for space or Florida today, so obviously it's sort of a chamber of commerce thing for the folks in Florida launching, you know, the, the areas around the, the launch facilities in Florida, that it, this is great PR for them. But maybe they will expand so it involves other launch facilities as well, but I don't, I don't know. But it's fun and it's free. So if anyone has... And a urge just to see a augmented reality launch of a Falcon 9 to include uh, not just launch, but the return of a stage one to land, then yeah, I'd say go for it. It's on Android and an iPhone uh, stores. 
John, are you ready for the bad joke of the week? It's been a long week, so sure, why not? Okay, this one's from astronomytrek.com, so don't blame me. Okay. What should you do if you see a little green alien? Wait until it's ripe. That's just... Adorable. Okay. So that's it, folks. Uh, if you like what our podcast is about and find it informative, please pass this on to friends and colleagues. Links to the stories we discussed are in the show notes. We are on Podbean as well as Google Music. We have authority to proceed. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and have a great week. <laughs>